Beloved Church of God, begin our service before the Lord. Let us stand and affirm with a proclamation of the faith of our heart the promise that relates to the coming of Jesus Christ when he at the door of hope will come be glorified in the bodies of his saints. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your name for the privilege of being in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest and allow us to be lifted to heights that are not reachable for us and destroy all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service, as previously, all the works of devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, demonic dependences, all matter of fear, depression, destruction, ignorance and error, all of this may depart from the tents of your holy people. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed into your salvation and rejoice before your face. Give us more of your spirit. Saturate us with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to find your great face. We thank you that the service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your godly hands. And we pray, may you continue to lead it with a powerful and mighty arm, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. Returning to the old path of good. The opportunity to find or to return to the old path of good is the opportunity to come into the kingdom of heaven through the narrow gate, which in scripture is defined as the elementary teaching or or more specifically, the governing teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. Matthew 7, 13, 14, enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. And as we've noted previously, returning to the old path of good, or finding the narrow gate in the teaching of Jesus Christ, is not something many achieve. And this, per the many statements of Christ, means that not many who due to their stiff neck and ignorance will be able to find the narrow gate in the elementary teaching of Christ, but will instead inherit eternal destruction. But those who humble their heart before God and will become his student will be able to enter the narrow gate and walk the narrow path demonstrated in the elementary teaching of Christ will be able to inherit eternal life. As a, as a basis for our study of the old path of good, we turn to the words of Apostle Paul, who by the mercy and inspiration of the Holy Spirit was successfully able to, in short and exact definitions, explain the consistency of the order that exists within the teaching of Christ, Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, and we have been offered a more elaborated form of this place by our pastor, Arkadi, so that we can understand the essence of the teaching of Christ and that beauty and that greatness that is within the word with that are within these words of Apostle Paul. 
Therefore, sprinkling yourself with the elementary teaching of Christ and clothing yourself with the armor of light, which consists in the rule of this teaching, we will then build ourselves into a house of God, because it is not possible to lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of the hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. <clears throat> and so for our pastor to be able to give us such an elaborated form of this place, that Apostle Paul had written, Apostle Paul said, uh, leaving the elementary teachings of Christ, that's what it, that's how it begins in the regular scriptures in the Bible. And so people have assumed that we need to put it away, get rid of it, make it meaningless to go on to some kind of perfection. Our pastor says it's not like this. You need to leave it with yourself, put it into your foundation, erect from these precious stones, the building of God and began to sprinkle yourself in this building, sprinkle our heart and put the truth into your heart. And so this is, these are the deep semantics. This is the importance of what we are doing and what we abide in. In a specific format, as much as God has allowed and according to the measure of our faith, we already studied the doctrine of baptisms including the baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire. Therefore, according to the order of sequence presented by the Holy Spirit by Apostle Paul, we will turn to the next doctrine. This is the doctrine of laying on of the hands, which contains three ascending steps of covenants with God. These are the covenant of blood, covenant of salt, and covenant of rest. Therefore, the doctrine of laying on of the hands is a teaching about making a mutual covenant between God and man. Sometimes people say, why laying on of the hands? Doctrine of laying on of the hands. Is it how pastor will teach us to lay our hands on others and heal others? Because today, uh, so-called generals of God print these pitiful brochures. Not one of them has explained or is able to explain that the laying on of the hands the doctrine of laying off the hands is actually making a mutual covenant with God. They just say this is healing people and rebuking demons or to delegate people. If you can imagine. And these are, the their, their interpretations are considered the wide gate. And of course they want to know this teaching. They want to know how to heal other people, resurrect the dead, rebuke demons. How how wonderful this is and how noticed they will be doing this. But the covenant of blood, salt, and rest where we uh, collaborate with God upon his conditions and so the act itself of laying on of hands is a legitimate and legal aspect where a person symbolically, personally signs an agreement with God where he consciously and voluntarily commits to serve God with a good conscience. And so this is why the three covenants combined identify and are called the doctrine of laying on of hands. Leviticus 1.4 Then shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. Not laying hands on the possessed or the sick. This is something God has entrusted to his apostles. But for us, the scriptures say you will lay your hands upon the burnt offering and you will find favor in God's sight. 
to put your hands upon the offering if the if the Jews did this by laying on of hands but today we do this uh, through confession and so you ask what is your name my name is Ivan for example do you believe that the that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he st- he states I believe and in this confession I sign my contract that I believe in Jesus as the Messiah as the Savior of my spirit soul and body and then you are submerged this person is then submerged into death and the stamp is placed the seal of stamp is is placed uh, the holy of the Lord and then he has upon himself the sign of the covenant he is now the holiness of the Lord his spirit is although his soul is not yet holy with all its thoughts and the body with all of its uh, bad acts because it's still a slave of sin but the holiness of the Lord is imprinted is sealed upon the heart and this seal in other seals begins to reflect itself in the soul and then it begins to reflect itself in the body when God absolutely will find his rest and can state that I am completely in this person he is my absolute holiness now in a particular format we already studied the covenant of blood and covenant of salt and stopped to study the third step within the covenants this is the covenant of peace and rest about which it is written Ezekiel 37 26 through 28 moreover I will make a covenant of peace with them and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them I will establish them and multiply them and I will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore my tabernacle also shall be with them indeed I will be their God and they shall be my people the nations also will know that I am the Lord sanctifying Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore in the given situation the phrase eternal peace written in regards to the covenant of God with man is equivalent to the phrase eternal rest eternal peace eternal rest the covenant of rest covenant of peace because the phrase eternal peace in the given place means there are 12 of them eternal rest eternal calmness eternal day eternal peacefulness eternal welfare eternal prosperity eternal well-being eternal safety eternal friendship eternal joy eternal celebration and eternal fellowship within the foundation of the wall of the new Jerusalem the covenant of rest is the sixth and is made of the precious serdia stone Revelations 21.19 The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The sixth foundation, Sardius. Sardius means making the heart happy or giving the heart rest. You see how beautifully the covenant of peace, covenant of rest is reflected in this Sardius stone. This is a stone that gives rest to the Heavenly Father or to the heart of the Heavenly Father and we, we... receive rest when we make a covenant of blood with God <clears throat> but the Lord hasn't found his rest he finds his rest in the precious Sardius stone when we are we pass over from the covenant of blood into the covenant of salt and from the covenant of salt into the covenant of rest the name of the apostle written upon the sixth foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem is Bartholomew 
Matthew 10, 2, 3. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First Simon, who is called Peter. Second Andrew, his brother. Third James, the son of Zebedee. Fourth John, his brother. And fifth Philip. And sixth Bartholomew. The name Bartholomew, which is noted here by the Holy Spirit in the book of the Gospel of Matthew, means the son of Tholomew. <clears throat> and so his father's name is Tholomew, and he... And so if Peter was called Peter, Bartholomew was called uh, the son of Tholomew. However, in the Gospel of John, the son of Tholomew, that is Bartholomew, is called by his personal name, Nathaniel, his first name, Nathaniel, which means gift of God. When Nathaniel met with Christ, Christ called him a real Israelite in whom is no deceit. John 1, 45-47 Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything, God co- can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Therefore, the third name given to Nathanael, the son of Tholomew, is a real Israelite, or an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. And so, combining all of these names, the name written upon the sixth foundation, all of these combined, we can now conclude it is this name that that is written upon the sixth foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem made of the Sardius stone means the son of the father, the gift of God, who is an example of true prayer and an atmosphere of true worship for all who come to the father. It's amazingly beautiful where that you could see in the name of an apostle written upon this sixth foundation upon the Sardius stone. A beautiful identification of his name and where we see here the son of the father the gift of God who is an example of true prayer and the Holy Spirit in him creates an atmosphere of true worship for all who come to the father because to worship needs to happen to worship worship needs to happen in spirit and in truth and Jesus reveals himself in the truth when we put the Holy Spirit into our spirit Looking at this, we can conclude that the name written upon the sixth foundation made of the precious Sardius represents in the covenant of rest a true atmosphere for worshiping the Father in prayer, in spirit, and in truth. John 4, 23, 24. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Studying the abilities contained in the covenant of rest, the first thing we will pay attention to is the nature of the seal of God with which a person is sealed when he makes a covenant of rest in the baptism of fire. And so again, what kind of seal was received in the covenant of rest in baptism of fire? To have a complete picture of all of the seals of God 
with which a person is sealed in the three baptisms, we will remember how these seals are named, identifying various functions and the abilities of the three covenants. They are named as follows. The first in the baptism of water is the holiness to the Lord. And this is in our heart. And is an inherent, it's inherent to God. A person is born again. The second seal, the Lord knows those who are His. And may all who proclaim the name of the Lord depart from unrighteousness. And so this is in the covenant of salt. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, He begins to know His own. And the third, the Lord is there. Since we have allocated time to the functions of the first two seals, we will focus on the purpose and function of the seal, which a person is sealed with in the covenant of rest in the baptism of fire. Let's see uh, where and upon whom this seal is placed. Ezekiel 48, 30-35. <clears throat> there are the exits of the city, talking about Jerusalem, on the north side measuring 4,500 cubits. The gates of the city shall be named after the tribes of Israel, the three gates northward, one gate for Reuben, one gate for Judah, and one gate for Levi, and on the east side, 4,500 cubits, three gates, one gate for Joseph, one gate for Benjamin, and one gate for Dan. On the south side, measuring 4,500 cubits, three gates, Simon, Issachar, and Zebulun. The west side, 4,500 cubits, with three gates, the gate of Gad, gate of Asher, gate of Naphtali, all the way around shall be 18,000 cubits, and the names of the city from that day shall be called, The Lord is There. And so to be able to enter through all of these gates is something that can happen when we unite with Christ in His death and then in His resurrection, that the Lord will place a seal upon our city, upon our essence, The Lord is There. And we will then be an organic part, partaking, partaker of Jerusalem. Because being a member of Immobile Foundation, for example, to be a partaker, you need to invest your your seed so that you could receive your salvation. And all of this needs to happen so that you can then receive the seal of the Lord is there. <clears throat> and it literally means that the Lord will then be there where he will find his rest. And now we will specifically pay attention to the abilities and qualities contained in the covenant of rest. First, what does the covenant of rest contain? First, the covenant of rest reveals the mystery of the dwelling place of the Heavenly Father, where trustworthy relationships with God are called to be and are able to be formed with men that are in His likeness. Speaking of the covenant of rest, the Lord will be giving us a complete picture and coordinates with, within which the Lord finds his rest. In what person, in what church, upon what place, specific coordinates, and we need to determine whether we are within those same coordinates where the Lord finds his rest. And so here's that first coordinate. Psalm 132, 13-16 For the Lord has chosen Zion, he has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. The Lord calls Zion the place of his resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. 
I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. The word Zion has become synonymous with Jerusalem, the city that is situated on a hill, and literally this word means famous or renowned, which in turn means widely known, eminent, occupying great status, and praised. And so Zion, where Jerusalem is, <clears throat> it's upon the top of the hill. The Lord calls all of this the place widely known, eminent, occupying great status, and is praised before the Lord. This is the glory of all the world. And so let's find ourselves in this Zion, in, or, or <clears throat> find ourselves amongst the daughters of Zion. And of course, when it's referring to daughters, it's referring to both brothers and sisters. And so sometimes sisters uh, ask, why is Apostle Paul always referring to the brothers? David, the prophet and king, turns here to the sisters or to the daughters, as it were. It doesn't mean specifically to the gender of men or women. And this was not even David, this was actually Solomon who uh, referred to the daughters in this case. David was uh, referring to the brothers, and here we could see how his son had referred here to daughters in this case. And so referring to, uh, he oftentimes the apostle will say, uh, or the Lord will speak through the apostles and will be blessing the head. <laughs> Songs of Solomon 7, 1 through 6. How beautiful are your feet in sandals, O prince's daughter! <clears throat> the curves of your thighs are like jewels, the work of the hands of a skillful workman. Your navel is a rounded goblet. It lacks no blended beverage. Your waist is a heap of wheat set about with lilies. Your two breasts are like two fawns twins of a gazelle, your neck is like an ivory tower, your eyes like the pools in the Heshbron by the gate of Bath Rabim, your nose is like the tower of Lebanon which looks toward Damascus, your head crowned crowns you like Mount Carmel, and the hair of your head is like purple, a, a king is held captive by your tresses, how fair and how pleasant you are, O love, with your delights. <clears throat> For such an eminent person, the rest of God is presented in the virtue of the secret place in the Most High and shadow of the Almighty. And so we, we can ask, how can we be in accordance to such a great standard as a daughter of, of a prince? Psalm 91, 1-2 He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. And so the Lord says, I've chosen Zion, and this is the place of my rest. And we are this daughter of Zion. We are under in the secret place and under the shadow of the Almighty. We also find rest in Him. We testify that we find rest. The Lord rests in Zion, and the daughter of Zion rests in God. When? When they are under the shadow of the Almighty, 
and in the secret place of the Lord, because to be an organic part of Zion and Jerusalem is not possible if you have not acknowledged of yourself God's uh, specific order. Very interesting coordinates. Second coordinates, the covenant of rest is presented for man in the boundaries of the earth. Which earth? Lying between two burdens and in some place noted as channels of water. Genesis 49, 14 through 15, the blessing of Jacob, Jacob blessing Issachar, his son. Issachar is a strong donkey coaching down between two burdens. And he saw that rest was good and the land that it was pleasant and bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant unto tribute. Issachar is vengeance. The Lord will, through these people, those who will sit on the throne together with Jesus Christ, who will judge the 12 tribes of Israel, one will be condemned, the other will be rewarded. And so the name is a car vengeance, to condemn and also to reward. Issachar, he is a strong donkey, it's written, a symbol of peace. This is a symbol of a person who has reconciled with God upon his conditions and who looks upon the imperishable inheritance. Laying Issachar between two burdens or channels of water is receiving into your heart and abiding in the elementary teaching of Christ, which comes from the throne of God and the Lamb. <clears throat> and so this teaching coming from the throne of God and the Lamb in the form of four rivers, which symbolize four teachings, which are focused on and to rule over four unearthly realms, north, south, east, and west. And he saw that rest was good and the land that it was pleasant, it is written. This is <clears throat> an assessment of the laws established for the earth, which lie between the two burdens or between these two channels of water. And so he found his rest, and he found he saw his rest and found his rest. We will not be able to uh, rest if our spirit only our spirit is <clears throat> is saved, but our soul is in a cemetery. And so the Lord says, "I can erect the resurrection of Christ in your body." And so it, you begin to understand that for both your soul and body, you have these promises and the destiny of death is not for you or any part of you. It's for the devil and his angels. And only those who acknowledge or accept over themselves uh, the rule of the devil will also share in that. But those of us are not part of that. Sometimes we pity the people that follow after blind leaders. The Lord knows how to save them. But to acknowledge such blind leaders means that I am blind also and I hate the truth. And so there are lawless leaders. We know that. But we also need to look at the people who look upon these leaders. And how do you see the wickedness of these leaders and then close your eyes to those act acts and spit upon the truth. And so why is it these people are magneted to these lawless people? 
it's in scripture says many will seek to enter and not be able to because they're not looking for the truth in the right place you have to pay the appropriate price to be a student uh but there they give them promises that you will be a a the chief musician in the church or you will have other uh, status or roles within the church and they're attractive and they go there uh, because they like this and so here we serve one another instead of uh, striving for these kinds of things And so, of course, sometimes, you know, if somebody's in error or there's something uh, that needs to be corrected, uh pastor will help uh, communicate with someone to be able to correct their way or to, uh, speak these things in a sermon to be able to help a person hear or see uh, their error. And so it says here he bowed his shoulder to bear to bear means he humbled himself before the law of the earth which lies between the two burdens between these two channels and he became a servant unto tribute this means to fulfill his purpose so that you can <clears throat> and you in our case also fulfilling our purpose so that we can get vengeance contained in our purpose or to invest our guarantee or our, or our seed so that we can re- receive profit <clears throat> that is turn our salvation to profit so we can receive it as a complete form of salvation for our body. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so this place of scripture can apply directly to the blessing of Issachar. Third, the covenant of rest, the contract that we make with God and that God makes with us, <clears throat> and that leads us to this covenant of rest. The covenant of rest is situated between the shoulders of God for the people who have a righteous heart, not just between the two uh, currents of water, but also bet- between the shoulders of God. <clears throat> And so if you know that the priests also uh, had things that were placed upon their shoulders and this was uh, significant and upon the shoulder, uh, the, the chest, as you know, uh, was the breastplate of judgment. And it also hung from the shoulders down. Let's read these coordinates here. Deuteronomy 33:12. Of Benjamin he said, he begins to continue, he continues to bless the patriarch, the patriarch begins to bless his sons. Of Benjamin he said, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him who shelters him all the day long, and he shall dwell between his shoulders. This is the blessing of Benjamin. Benjamin is the son of Jacob and Rachel. The birth of Benjamin was fatal for Rachel. And dying while giving birth to her son, she named him Ben-Oni. The child of my misfortune. But Jacob changed his name to Ben-Jamin, which means the son of the right hand or the son of happiness. 
<laughs> and so this promise will never become the promise of happiness uh, until, but in, unless it first is the is the promise of misfortune pretty much it needs to go through the process of death before it can be resurrected and so the Lord gives us a promise but this promise needs to become for us first Ben Oni a child of my misfortune but the patriarch says no this will be Ben Jamin which is the son of my right hand and the son of happiness and so we see how we can place ourselves between the shoulders of God First is Benoni, then Benjamin. And so to be this person, you need to place yourself between the shoulders of God. And to do this, you need to be in God's heart. And But you can't be in God's heart if I am not a person with a righteous heart. A person with a righteous heart is a person who observes the justice of God. He is a person who observes the justice of God, who judges himself as well as those who are who he is responsible for in accordance with the conditions of the law implemented by God within the boundaries of his kingdom. A person who observes justice is beloved by God or is set apart by God by the means of the seals of God, such as holiness to the Lord, the Lord knows those who are his, and the Lord is there. And so a person who observes justice he has all these three seals upon himself. Dwelling with God is a person living in and living by what belongs to God. Dwelling in safety by God is a person who is protected from the wrath of God because he observes the justice of God. God shelters him all the day long means that in the day of, an, of any justice, God shows him his authority and his protection. The fact that he dwells, Benjamin dwells between his shoulders, he finds rest in the might and authority of God because the shoulders of God are bearers of the governmental authority of God. And so we rest between the shoulders of God. God is our protector. We are in his safety. <clears throat> when we become carriers of the governmental authority of God, his teaching, in his teaching, the Lord takes care of us, he protects us, we find his rest, or find our rest in him. Fourth, we're talking about the covenant of rest, the teaching of laying on of the hands. The covenant of rest is in the calling to be a lion for those who are carriers of a joyful destiny. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 33:2021. We're going to talk about Gad, whom Jacob, whom whom Moses had actually blessed. In this situation, it was Moses who blessed Gad. And of Gad, he said, "Blessed is he who enlarges Gad." He dwells as a lion and tears the arm and the crown of his head. He provided the first part for himself because he. Lo- a lawgiver's portion was reserved there. He came with the heads of the people. He administered the justice of the Lord and his judgments with Israel. We see that the patriarch Gad was able to find his rest. And how? Because he needed. To, he was able to do this by becoming a, like a lion. 
and the Lord needed to honor him. What is the name of the patriarch Gad? This name means joy. It means endowed by God to have a joyful destiny or looking upon his purpose in God. Blessed is he who enlarges Gad means that God receives the opportunity to successfully expand the influence and authority of a person so he can achieve his purpose upon the condition that this person looks at who God is for him and what God has done for him. The fact that he dwells as a lion is he looks upon the justice of God and finds rest in this justice of God. Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flees when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The fact that this lion tears the arm and the crown of his, sho- of his head means that a person, due to the abilities he receives in righteousness, performs righteousness by bringing about the judgments of God upon all wickedness of man within the boundaries of his responsibility by the means of the acts of holiness. <clears throat> he provided the first part for himself means that the righteous preferred rather to suffer with the nation of God than have temporary sinful pleasures with the predominant number of Egyptians. The fact that a lawgiver's portion was reserved there, and it's referring to a portion of land, was reserved there. And so, in this case, you would say that the Lord was pleased that he chose rather to suffer with this nation, and so he gave him a portion uh, by, uh, by his lawgiver. And that this means that the righteous is honored with a portion within the boundaries of the chosen by God nation, which is the territory of the kingdom of heaven on earth. He came He came with the heads of the people means that the portion with which the righteous was honored in the midst of the chosen by God nation in the virtue is the virtue to represent authority that is given to the heads of the chosen by God nation. And so he came with the heads of the people. The Lord honored him. In, in the midst of the chosen by God people. And so if we have the destiny of the patriarch Gad, which means joy, and so when we have chosen the lot that all others spit upon, and although others spit upon it, I will receive my lot in the Lord in this place, he will be, the Lord then will honor him. And so this includes also uh, serving one another. If, for example, someone's speaking bad things about someone else to you, another sister or brother, I close my ears. And by closing my ears, I receive the the reward of the righteous. I don't pass on this bad information. Have you heard this or have you heard that? These are people with a joyful destiny. They have this inheritance of patriarch Gad. Fifth, the covenant of rest consists in the obligations of man to remain within the boundaries of his responsibility and honoring the rest of the seventh day. Isaiah thirty fifteen. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and confidence shall be your strength, but you would not. They did not. We did, because we have chosen this, of course. And so, the Holy One of Israel is the Holy One worshipping. And so a Holy God 
worshiping uh, for four worshipers in the given situation god calls himself by a name contained in the functions of worshipers those that are warriors in prayer therefore the phrase for thus as the lord god the holy one of israel means that god speaks to those who come to him who come to him exclusively from the position of worshipers or warriors in prayer because the word israel warrior in prayer in returning and in returning and rest you shall be saved means that only remaining within the boundaries of your responsibility and honoring the rest of the seventh day are we able to inherit the salvation of God we in the church have some kind of service all of us and boundaries and being within these boundaries we need to be continually honored the seventh day the rest of the seventh day by doing our work we don't uh, interrupt the quietness of the seventh day and so if you're an organic member of the Sabbath you will know that oh I should not have said this I shouldn't have passed this on I shouldn't have done this certain thing and so we either take our work back our words back or we repent in quietness and confidence shall be your strength means not showing discontent or resentment toward my messengers and look upon the hope that is given to you you will be able to obtain the strength of faith which will not be able to be broken not by any winds or storms of resistance or disobedience and so not having discontent or resentment I hope in God quietness is humility where a person agrees to serve God according to the order implemented by God in his kingdom since according to scripture it is only in such quietness identifying the nature of the humility of Christ is a person able to build himself into a house of God first Kings 6 7 and the temple when it was being built was built with stone finished at the quarry so that no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built And so it's describing the quietness where we will be able to trust in the given to us promises. And we understand that when the temple was built, then uh, stones were being produced, but nothing, uh, the chiseling and all of that was happening in a different place, but not in the location of where the building of the temple itself was happening. Understandably, these stones were hewed but only not in the virtue of the covenant of rest. They were hewed in the virtue of the covenant of blood and covenant of salt. When the old and fleshly allowed itself to rebel and shout, both in the relationship of one another as well as against the messengers of God. Remember David. Our pastor says, remember David. His entire life was constant resistance, neglect, and criticism against him against his virtue and against his delegation by the Israelite nation. His authority was more respected among the enemy nations who were obedient to him. But his own nation, up until the end of his life, always set up traps for him, but he continued to tend them. Due to this, his deep desire and hunger to build a temple for God was not able to be achieved by him. However, when his son Solomon came to power, who was placed by David personally while he was still alive, Solomon, himself being a man of peace, was able to build God's temple. 
First Chronicles 22, 9, 10. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. When the building of a different and imperishable temple began, which will never be destroyed and will become an eternal rest of the Almighty and the non-dimming glory of the seventh day, it is specifically this quietness that God desires, and it will be the main tool and atmosphere for the building of His eternal home or the eternal home of God. Isaiah 42, 1-4 Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking fox he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice on the earth, and the coastlands shall wait for his law. Disobedience and not acknowledging the order demonstrated in the delegated authority of God over yourself is the unbelief of a man who demonstrates disobedience to the preached word about the kingdom of heaven about whom God has swore that they will not enter his rest. Hebrews 3.18.19 And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Unbelief producing disobedience is always noise that interrupts the quietness contained in the demands of the covenant of rest, demonstrated in various suspicions and slander, giving the disobedient reason not to acknowledge the place by God authority and to perform division that is contrary to the teaching of Christ. Hebrews 4, 1-3 Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. Hebrews 4, 1-3 Hebrews 4, 11 Let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest, <clears throat> lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. An incredible explanation of the fifth covenant of rest. Sixth, the covenant of rest begins to reveal its virtues in those people that survive the sword and find grace in the wilderness. Jeremiah 31, 2. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Israel, when I went to give him rest. The nation that survived the sword found favor in the wilderness, have found this grace in the wilderness. What is this nation that survived the sword? This is, of course, Israel, or people, who overcome the fear of death in prayer battle due to the fact that they allowed the Holy Spirit to participate or to partake with them in their battle. And this is not the entire so-called Israel, but only the true worshipers of God who worship Him in spirit and in truth. And the fact that the worshipers of God survived the sword 
and in this way found grace in the wilderness, means that this nation fell on their swords and their spears, but remained unharmed. Here is how Prophet Joel vividly illustrates this image. Joel 2.6-8 Before them the people writhe in pain, all faces are drained in color. They run like mighty men, they climb the, the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation, and they do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column, though they lunge between the weapons. They are not cut down. And so we all have one path, and we all walk in the same rank. We all together and not over one another. It says here that they do not push one another. Everyone marches his own way. Or call them, but when there are many ways and many different things, every every way is uh, every person's own opinion or thought. And so, if we know that our brothers and sisters, all of us who either are on the stage or will speak, it's all coming from the same theocracy from the same order of God within that same order of God and we stay whole because of this and so they don't push one another everyone marches in his own column though they lunge between the weapons they are not cut down in the given situation this prophecy of the sword is an allegory of the sword called the word of God which the people permitted to penetrate their essence up to the division of soul and spirit and joint and marrow and to judge the thoughts and intentions of their heart. Hebrews 4, 12-13 For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joint and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open, in his eye, open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Due to knowing the truth, those are worship; those who worship God seek God in their worship by separating themselves from all that is hateful to God that could somehow bend them away from the placed by them goal, and such absolute or total sanctification in seeking God brings them to the wilderness or into the realm of the Spirit. And so being brought into the wilderness, you receive the promise of the adoption of your body. In scripture, the wilderness in its positive form is always a symbol of sanctification and dedication or a place where a person can draw God's favor upon himself in his mercy. Ezekiel 20, 10 through 12. Therefore, I made them go out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. And I gave them my statues and showed them my judgments, which of a man who does them, he shall live by them. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. It is specifically there in the wilderness God gave the nation of Israel his Sabbaths so that they can be a sign between man and God and so that by the means of these Sabbaths to unite and bind himself with his nation in marriage due to which they can become one. 
And so uniting with him in, ma in marriage includes the commandments of God. It needs to have them and it needs to be in the wilderness. And he makes these, uh, again, in the wilderness, as we note, Hosea 2, 14 through 23. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. You will allure her where? To the wilderness and speak comfort to her. I will bring her, allure her to absolute and total sanctification for the purpose of absolute dedication. I will speak comfort to her. I'll give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Accor as a door of hope. She shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came up from the land of Egypt. And it shall be that in that day, says the Lord, that you will call to me and call me my husband and no longer call me my master. For I will take from her mouth the names of the Baals and they shall be remembered by their name no more. In that day I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, with the birds of the air, and with the creeping things of the ground. Bow and sword of battle I will shatter from the earth to make them lie down safely. I will betroth you to me forever, yes, I will betroth you to me in the righteousness and justice and loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know that you shall know the Lord. It shall come to pass in that day that I will answer, says the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. The earth shall again shall answer with grain, with new wine, and with oil. They shall answer Jezreel. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth, and I will ha have mercy on her, and have her who had not obtained mercy. Then I, sh I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people, and they shall say, you are my God. And so it's it's great and it is deep and it is beautiful beautiful. That was the sixth of the covenant of rest. The seventh of the covenant of rest reveals and demonstrates itself in the relationship of man with all of the formats of the word of God combined. All of the formats of the word of God. Not just saying thus is the Lord, thus is the Lord, thus is the Lord. And whatever may come into their mind, but and, and there's no peace in that. It's always worrisome. But here, we're talking about the covenant of rest. All the formats of the word of God combined, and all these formats include also his law, commandments, statutes, revelations, ordinances, judgments, and so on. Psalm 119, 174. A and so Psalm 119, 174, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Psalm 119, 143, trouble and anguish have overtaken me, yet your commandments are my delight. And so when you ask the question, what is returning to the old path of good? We look at the commandments, and statutes, Psalm 119.54, Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. And so we could see here the law, and the laws and his commandments, as it says in Psalm 119.143, 
yet your commandments are my delight. Then the commandments are also contain his statutes. Psalm 1954, your statutes have been, have been my song in, your, in the house of my pilgrimage. And then the testimonies, Psalm 1924, your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. And also his judgments. I remember your judgments of old, O Lord, and have comfort in them. Psalm 1952. And so you can come into any church and ask, what does it mean? What is it, is, what is it written? Being at the door, the door of our hope. What does the door of hope mean? The promise that belongs to the door of our hope. And so many will sing songs that and praise. And you know that Islam is also waiting for a messenger from Allah. And all Islam and the Jews will bow before him. He will come. He's going to have great miracles and signs and use his false prophet to do it. But only the chosen by God remnant will be saved and not choose to bow before him. <clears throat> because those that are his remnant will sanctify themselves and they will be given the two wings of the great eagle. And these are the Word of God and Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and so the covenant of rest, again, <clears throat> leads us through his com- the laws, commandments, statutes, revelations, his testimonies, judgments, and so on. And the eighth, the covenant of rest, is called to reveal itself in man in two immutable things that are brought into the presence of God, the blood of of the covenant and the bread offering. Hebrews 6, 18 through 20, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And so, this is a great place of scripture that can prepare us to partake in communion and this is the bread and the cup of the new covenant and for this we need to find rest in God and him in us and this begins in the covenant of blood when we come to the Lord with our sins with our fears with our dependences and we say Lord I came to this place not just to receive forgiveness when I sinned I was in shock and I asked you, Lord, forgive me in the name of Jesus. And God says, I forgive you. But I came upon this holy place where there's a remembrance of your name. So you can justify me. And right now we will have the opportunity upon this holy place to receive this justification. We will pray and we wait for the holy nation so we can find rest in him and so that we can bring rest to the heart of our Father.
We wait for you here at the altar. going to pray our prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side he's not against you he has loved you with an eternal love and he has given us the work of his redemption he has stood between us and all of our enemies to protect us and to lift us up to his level close your eyes this is your secret room lift your hands to God this is your preparedness to receive from the Lord what he has promised and pray together with me Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I come to you and upon this holy place in the church of your holy nation I open up my heart so that you may see my pain my suffering my wounds that are inflicted by sin and lust which I hate and that I reject and I come to you with my dependence with sin that I'm bound with, illnesses, fears, a dishonor, and pampered dignity. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, restore me, protect me with the blood of your Son, and right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, 
I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great faith and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be. May with noise the stronghold of death be thrusted out of your body, and in its place may the stronghold of life be erected. May all this be upon you and be fulfilled upon you and your children, and, and the nation shall say, Amen. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Please be seated. This is a great celebration, a great moment, and all those who want to partake are those who can partake are those who have confirmed their commitment through baptism of water. And so to create life and to create all that exists, is someone great and we need to know that it's not just someone who exists but what he's done he God has his son Jesus Christ who was born in Bethlehem who grew up in Nazareth who died for us and resurrected for our justification we know him we know his father and the Holy Spirit his Holy Spirit abides in us and we have confirmed this through baptism of water where we made a contract a covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ and her name was written into the book of life. The book of life is the book of the deeds of Jesus Christ. He has given us the work of his redemption. And we thank God for that redemption that Jesus gave us. And we don't fast or serve in the church so we can receive salvation. We do this because we are the children of God. We are called to this from God. And so people who are maybe excommunicated somehow should not... Uh, 
partake. I don't know anybody here that's like this, but please uh, withhold yourselves, anyone who has legalized sin. And so legalizing means that we, instead of wanting to repent for the sin, try to make it a legitimate thing in our life. I would ask you to withhold. And so you need to come out to the altar and repent for these things. Whether people know about these sins or don't know about sins, you need to come out and repent for your sins. Because unfortunately these things can be spread and for this you need to come out and say, Lord, I don't come out for the the sake of the people, but for your sake. I come out and I repent and I receive justification and forgiveness. And there are, of course, things that maybe need to be confessed before the pastor himself, Pastor Akadi, or uh, his his helpers in in some cases where the pastor entrusts them. And this also includes helpers of pastor that may be in other regions, other places of the world, who are under uh, the authority of our pastor, who are delegated by him. Pastor Akadi is... Uh, is is our is our is our head of course and then there also this he has his uh, helpers and so right now we are going to stand up and pray for this bread stretch out your right hand as a symbol and pray together heavenly father we thank you for the broken body of Jesus Christ in the form of this bread when it shall be passing by your people and we will take of it and eat of it may the might of your life come into our life and swallow up death in our bodies. May our bodies be healed. We take part, we eat of this bread, and we thank you for the healing that is given in Jesus Christ for our body and the body of your saints. Our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. And he said, he took the bread and he said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Serve one another, help one another, because that is where the love of Christ is shown, that we help one another. He had broken it, and he gave it to his disciples. Jesus Christ is the first who showed how we need to break it, how we need to humble ourselves. And so let's As we remember, as in the place of Scripture where he says, I will lure her and bring her into the wilderness, and the Lord says in that day that you will call me my husband, you will no longer call me my master, he says, in Hosea it's written. That means you will not say, I think of this way now, my Bible says this or that. God says, you won't say this, you will come to me and you will refer to me as your husband because you will remove the name of the Baals from your mouth and you will no longer remember them. I will betroth you to me forever in righteousness and in goodness. I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will know the Lord. In that day, he says, I will hear the heavens and I will hear the earth and the earth will hear this oil and this wheat and I will sow her for myself on the earth 
and I will show mercy to the one who has not shown mercy. And I will tell who is not my nation, you are my nation, and the nation shall say, you are my God. And all of this is in, is in this bread. First, often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes, which is what we are doing. Looking at this place of scripture as we continue to partake, let's pay attention to the phrase, in that day that I will hear, I will hear the heavens. Heavens will hear then the earth, and the earth will hear the bread, wine, and oil. The bread, wine, and oil will hear the word Jezreel. An incredible sermon of Apostle Arkady where he shows us how the Lord will give us the promise of the adoption of our body through the words of Hosea. And this is not just Lord uh, stating the words, Lord, come. It's a little bit more. All of our essence, it says, I will hear the heavens, the Lord says. He will hear our spirit upon the condition that our heaven, our spirit, will hear the earth. And the earth will hear bread, wine, and oil. Right now we are taking part in the bread. We're eating of the bread. We're going to drink of the cup, the wine. And we need to discern. We need to meditate about what the Lord wanted to show us in this. The Lord wants to hear our heaven. And he will not be able to hear it until the heavens hear, our spirit hears our earth, our mortal body. Our mortal body can be heard only when you put <clears throat> in corruption into this body and this can happen by hope hope and so our trust upon this hope and this is the immovable foundation this is the teaching and the truth not just the promise of the adoption of our body this will be the absolute teaching the entire teaching because hope is not just one little brochure or many books of heresies that may be written but the faith teaching that is revealed And it is uh, included in all of the truth, all of the word that is being present, given. And so to, for, for our body, to hear our body, our earth, we need to put into our body the uh, trust and that hope. And so when we eat, and right now we're going to drink the cup of the new covenant, we'll be putting into our body the living hope. Because we're not just eating and drinking. It's not that you offer him to take part. He says, well, I'm not hungry. This is not to quench our regular uh, physical hunger and thirst. This is to quench our spiritual hunger and thirst by following the word of God. Let us stand up and stretch out our right hand, and we will pray for this cup. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cup of the new covenant that is poured out for the forgiveness of the sins of many when it will be passing by your people and we will take of it and drink of it. May the might of your life 
be in our bodies and make it conquer death and swallow up death in our bodies and our souls. We thank you that you have blotted out our sins before your face and have redeemed us from the sinful life conduct passed on, passed on to us from our parents. We worship before the cup of the covenant, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated And that road that is approached. Please stand and assist one another. And here it talks about the fact that we need to put this hope into our bodies. And when we place this hope, this trust and this hope in our body, the promise of the adoption of our body, that means the heavens will hear the earth. Absolutely, our spirit needs to hear our earth. On Friday, in the works of our pastor, we heard how our body and our spirit together began to pray to the Lord. And so it says Deuteronomy 32, 36, and lower, for the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there's no one remaining bond or, or free. And continuing on, you will see that we will not be able, we will not see corruption. So the spirit worshiping with the body, we have the right to this incorruption, to this immortality. It calms us and it rejoices, and and we rejoice. In Psalm 16 it says, I will bless the Lord. The Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup, you maintain my lot. And so we drink of this cup, and you drink it only in remembrance of Him. If you just take a glass with alcohol, this person will be cursed. You will take part of, in the cup, only you take part in remembrance of me in the church of saints and only now in no other time not in any other doses or any other ways It says, my flesh also will rest in your hope, Psalm 16, 9. And so the Lord says that our heaven will be able to hear our earth, our spirit will be able to hear our body. This promise was put in the earth, and the Lord bowed that the place where you are to Jacob, the place where you lay, it will be a house of God, and I will give it to you, this earth. Your body will be adopted. And so let us now stand and finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling 
and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen <laughs> 